2: Today is Sunday, February 12th, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Episode number 196 of Celtics Beat takes place with the Celts on the verge of wrapping up their long first long Western Conference swing of the season, and takes place very early on this Sunday morning here in Brookline, so forgive me ahead of time, just about it there, I am a little, I'm pretty I'm pretty groggy here on my end, and in these instances when the Celts have these late night Saturday games, not only do I gotta dig deep, uh, I'll say this, we are ever so fortunate to have the old reliables in the Celtics beat bullpen, I'm, I'm not sure I can ask uh, Kevin McHale to say, hey, you free Sunday morning around 1 Um but don't have to. Nevertheless, uh, we still got our goose sausages that can still bring some heat in those high pressure situations. So, uh, Bob Ryan, Bob Ryan, longtime scribe for the Boston Globe, Bob Ryan, who authored Scribe, Bob Ryan, who was just in my Paul Pierce documentary. Love if everyone could go check that out on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel. And that Bob Ryan, who contributes to the sports supporters around the horn, and is on with us quite frequently. Bob's going to be here with me in the second half of the show. You know, with the trade deadline, um, now a couple weeks away, days away. I'm just Hold on. Just, it's on a Thursday, a few weeks in February. Like I say, it's early in the morning. I'm gonna, there's going to be a lot of this today. Uh, but with the deadline, as we know, things get a little silly So there's no better time to ask not would you give up this or would you give up that for that and this or is this guy coming here? When is this coming guy coming here? Why is this guy coming here? Uh, But rather simply ask some root questions. Is this Celtics group legitimately a player away? A trade away? A piece of the puzzle away? Sure, it helped to have uh, Mello or Jimmy Butler uh, really would have helped to have Kevin Durant. But, by God, would it help enough? We want banners. I think we're all pretty happy. Network, we're content. How about that? We are content. But uh, if I were to use an example of emotional states, I would say we want to be in the emotional state Say, uh, I was in OGs a little after 10 o'clock last Sunday night. Not sure everyone listening shares that, but I'm just using that as an example, okay? Uh, speaking of banners, the Celtics, we know, they've got a lot of them, but just not nearly enough, right? How are you up? Get the show on the road. Los Angeles Lakers, no, they have no banners. They got no banners. They they actually have banners, Uh, And Boston's original and ancient rival, the Philadelphia 76ers, they have uh, a couple banners and no banners, Uh, however, regardless. They're wonderful, wonderful fan bases, and those that cover those respective teams for their audiences, they are my friends. Because they broadcast on the CLNS Radio mobile app, it's all about the name on the front of the jersey. Uh, Derek Bonner, who has been on my pregame shows, he's been a credentialed reporter for a long, long time for many outlets down in the Mid-Atlantic. Derek's also one of the top draft experts, contributes to Draft Express, uh, and he hosts the Sixers Beat podcast. Sixers Beat, Celtics Beat, well, that's easy to remember. And the newest edition of CLNS, LakersNation.com launched the Court Courtcast. It's, uh, it's charting on iTunes. It's, just, it's been a just a tremendous success. Uh, the Lakers, Lakers do have an otherworldly following. You have got to say that. So, but, anyways, great resources, not just for Sixers, uh, not just for Lakers and Sixers fans, but also uh, Boston and all NBA fans who I know Celtics backers take an interest to whatever degree in the well being of those franchises. So happy, very happy, honored. How about that? Honored to have them both on the CLNS Radio mobile app alongside this show, and even more happy to have an opportunity to dive in a segment like this, which is something that has been suggested a many of times by our audience. We've never done it. I think I touched upon it briefly with Ian Thompson like years ago, but we never had like a full segment. We are going to do it now. Comparing and contrasting the rebuilding efforts of three bitter rivals so, Mr. Bodner, who hosts Sixers Beat, and Serena Winters, who I I have rudely yet to mention, um, Lakers Beat Reporter for LakersNation.com. Many of you know Serena from Lakers Nation's uh, just... Phenomenal YouTube channel. Real hallmark coverage that they have there. I'm mesmerized by that. Uh, Serena also contributes to Spectrum Sportsnet, which is the TV home of the Lakers. They're both here with me right now. As of now, they're on mute, but no longer. And uh, guest to kind of get the ball rolling, comrades. Um, You know, before any of us talk about anything concrete in the basketball sense with any of these franchises or teams I, I, I simply ask this um a little simple question but does the nba quote-unquote need these franchises to be good lakers and celtics the, the two great rivals uh, way back yonder the lakers and the had uh, met in the finals and the lakers and the south they was a great rival in the early 80s of these teams but and once upon a time 12 years ago david stern once infamously said his dream finals is lakers against the lakers but now Now, in the information age, and with the way the NBA has effectively marketed individual talents in places like Cleveland, and uh, Oakland, and OKC, or whatever, may as well, Serena, let's just toss this to you first, ladies here first, but Serena, uh, is there the enterprise value that there once was, not just in 1984, but as soon as uh 2004 when David Stern said that of, of have the NBA having the Lakers or any of their other hallmark franchises at the top of the league
3: Look, I, I want to say there's so much value in it, right? You want to say that, yes, the Lakers and Celtics need to be good again, and you think about all the good rivalries from back in the day, but when you really look at, honestly, like the logistics of it, you look at the most-watched NBA Finals game ever, which was last year's Game 7, Warriors losing to the Cavs. You know, that the, the number-two-watched game ever was that Lakers versus Celtics Game 7, 2010. But, you know... It, Although for, for people that grew up either Boston fans or Celtics fans, there's also value in, in really a different landscape of fans. Like there's so many more fans now from different backgrounds because of the Warriors and things like that. So I honestly don't think there's as much value as there used to be.
2: Do you want to jump in on that?
0: I don't really disagree at all. I think it's, um you know, the, the way that the internet has changed The game and the way that streaming has changed the game and you can watch any team wherever you are on league pass, I don't know that the markets matter as much. I don't know that traditional rivalries matter as much. I think people care, not everyone, but I think there's a portion of the fan base that cares as much about the players as in terms of rooting for the finals. Yeah, I think it certainly decreased uh, the necessity to have a Lakers-Celtics or a Lakers-Sixers finals.
2: I think the Lakers... There's a difference because the Lakers have a worldwide fan base that's, I think, only matched by a couple of professional sports Mm -hmm. teams in the whole world. But unless you're an NBA exec chasing every last cent, which we kind of know they do, uh, a couple more million fans watching a sporting event is kind of like a couple billion dollars added to the federal deficit. It sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. The Lakers, I think it could. It's it's certainly beneficial for the uh, the NBA to have, say, the Lakers with a team like what the Warriors have now. But not, it's not as big as what it was, say, ten years ago. Spurs, Pistons in the finals. Spurs, Nets may as well have aired on, uh, you know, versus or the History Channel or something. Just bury it there, tape delay it. No one's going to watch it anyways. Marketing machine now has. Just totally change the landscape there. Serena, you brought up the point. If you asked me, what's the worst? You asked me. You asked anybody. What's what's the worst major city in America? What's the first city that jumps out at you? What's the worst city in the country? For me? Yeah, anybody.
3: Probably for me, it's like Milwaukee.
2: <laughs> oh, it's well, you're wrong. The answer is Cleveland. <laughs> and you know what's you know was also in the top five? Milwaukee. No. <laughs> Oakland. I
3: know what you're getting at. I'm just trying to make it hard on you.
2: Yeah. Well, there you go. I'll make it hard on you, Serena. Here with Serena Willett Winters. Don't let me call you Serena Williams. Williams. I almost, Uh I almost did it. I almost uh-huh.
3: did it. It's I all right. I get it. it all the time. We La- look La- Lakers alike. in
2: 60 seconds or less. You stop. Lakers in 60 seconds or less. Go.
3: All right. The, the Lakers with the majestic, laid-back, Luke Walden at the helm. You know, when this season started, national news, everything looked like it was going in the right direction. The Lakers started out with a 10-10 and 10 record, 500, you know, with the young core, Brandon Ingram looking good, D'Angelo Russell looking good. And then since then it has all trailed off and Lakers fans have started to see what it's like to be a team like the Philadelphia 76ers.
2: Oh.
3: And uh, I'm don't stopping know. <laughs>
2: you there, <Derek. laughs> You all now, kid.
0: Yeah, well it's um we might be we might have 18 wins too, but we have Joel Embiid and I think that makes all the difference in the world. When he has played the Sixers have won 8 of their last 10 games. They have one of the best defenses in the league. He is every bit of the generational superstar some build him as, and that keeps Sixers fans afloat. Uh, we have Ben Simmons coming back, and later in the month, we have draft picks, including the Lakers' draft pick. So, find a way to win a game, please. That would be great for the Sixers. But for a team that won ten games last year and went through three seasons of hell, it is really starting to pay off. It feels like, and it may not show that in the one loss record, but the Six the, the town is feeling pretty good about themselves.
2: You're going you to you're gonna have to get that we uh, off. <laughs> Serena, what did you got to say there?
3: I was going to say, you guys might have Joel Embiid, but do you guys have Evica Zubac, the <laughs> seven-foot Croatian who uh, brings us nothing but laughs and smiles over here? You guys just wait for this kid.
0: The, the Sixers do not, but they do have <laughs> a plethora of second-round picks that they can get the next one.
2: I'm going to force everybody here to drop their emotional attachments to their team the same way us Jedi do here. You lost. know, it
0: usually doesn't happen, but you bring me on with a Celtics guy and a Lakers girl, <laughs> it, it, it's unavoidable.
2: Uh, I gave you guys some nice assignments. Uh, Your accent
0: the... gives it away, by the way.
2: Oh, I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, as long as I sound like John F. Kennedy, which I, I certainly make sure that I do every single time I get down to the edits of this podcast. Um, but I gave little arguments, and I assigned myself the easiest one. Which franchise becoming a title contender first? Uh, I chose the Sixers. Like I said, I think it's the easiest one. And I may as well, since it's my show, I'm going to go first. That way I can stop talking and let you guys kind of go at it. I chose the Sixers because of Joel Embiid. Because I listen to your show, Derek, so much on this network now, Sixers Beat, available on the CLNS radio mobile app. So I know now, I, I think everything I need to know about Joel Embiid, especially in your 45-minute shows. But I'll try to tell why Joel Embiid is great in 45 seconds, particularly in the Eastern Conference where he has all the right skills for a big now. You mentioned his defense and how good the Sixers are defensively when he's in the lineup. Uh, I believe they're even better than the – correct me if I'm wrong. They are even better than the Utah Jazz with Rudy Gobert in the lineup. Yep. Is that is – that, okay, well good. All right. so look at – I'm on a roll already. So they already have Embiid. Uh, don't worry about the injuries. He's, they're going to put holy water on him. He'll be fine, so don't worry about the injuries. Front court depth, uh, Ben Simmons, he's not played, but it's the case. Simmons, Saric, Noel, Okafor, he's on the trade block, but at least they'll have value for him. So they're at least going to get—one of that is going to stick. Of course, the weakness for the Sixers on paper is clearly the backcourt, but that is going to be rectified— likely, percentage-wise, in the draft this year because, as you know, you're a draft whiz, provide many of your contributions for NBA Draft Express. This draft class, not to turn this into an NBA draft show, but uh, this draft class is loaded with guards, especially point guards, which the Sixers don't have anyone really there of significance. Uh, They may be getting a top pick this year from the Lakers. I I say may because, I mean, things tend to kind of go the Lakers' way. I mean... I know you know that. Uh, that's so, but give it about 10% that they get a, a pick from the Lakers. And the one thing that I guess people will say is we've seen plenty of teams in NBA history have, or that there's plenty of teams throughout the league history that's loaded with young talent all at once. And we get caught up in the moment and they say this is going to be the next great team or they're going to be a championship contender one day. Look at the Timberwolves now. Look at the Chicago Bulls back in the mid-2000s when they had Curry and Chandler and, uh, I mean, everything, and it just never worked out, and they fizzled out. As I saw here, first-hand basis with the Celtics, it's very easy in the Eastern Conference, I think, to develop. West with the Lakers is much more difficult. There's 750-ish win teams every single year. It's ve- You're going to get the brains beat out of you every single night. The East... You can go from bad to okay, as the Celtics did two years ago, pretty quick. Once you quote-unquote, you hate this intangible phrase, learn how to win. Sixers will have an easier time learning how to win because I think they have more talent. So I think that's it. By the way, I'll say this one thing before I stop talking, which I know plenty of listeners want me to do. All these jokes with Sam Hinkie, you know, he died for his sins. And, you know, and there was a time, it, we all said, uh, you know, geez, do we really need to be... Bringing up Jesus and comparing him to Sam I All right, Derek. I don't know about you, man. I say yes. I, I I see plenty of parallels with the Sixers rebuilding process and the rise of Christianity. And the big difference I see with the rise of Christianity and the Sixers rebuilding is that took about two hundred years for Christianity to really get settled in you know out, out east. It's the Sixers will they'll get they'll get back within a couple hundred years. You can you can you can thank you can take that <laughs> to the bank.
0: We just need Constantine the Great to show him the way. Yeah.
2: Well, that's Joel Embiid. <laughs> Maybe.
0: I mean, I think you laid it out perfectly. Um, I mean, I know a lot of Sixers fans who wouldn't have even gone the Jesus route, but um, you well, know, you I went there. Did. Good job.
2: I just did. Now I need you <laughs> for the Lakers. Well,
0: I think I think they're going the route of sheer quantity with D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle. You might not have. The sure fi- well, not sure fire, because of his his feet and his knee and his back. But you have the, you don't have the sure fire talent. But I think you have a lot of guys who, if something improves, maybe a little more than you expected. And I think maybe Russell didn't take quite the jump that maybe I would have expected or hoped for at least. Maybe not expected, but hoped for. But I think it's still in him. You know, I think Brandon Ingram has a world of talent that just. Nineteen or twenty—I forget exactly where he is at—but he's really, really young for the league, and I think he's starting to show some signs. Again, maybe it might not be as quick as you would have hoped for, but I think that talent is there. Um, they really, I think, need to hit on on their draft pick this year and hope that they land in the top three. They do seem to have that kind of luck where yeah, they had
2: to—they're no, getting it. Just we're operating under the assumption that they're getting it. it they they're had to like, land in the top
0: five two years ago. They did. They had to land in the top three last year. They did. So, yes, I think it's a foregone conclusion that they keep that. And this is certainly the year to do that. I think they get one player like a Markel Fultz. And I, I don't know how he's going to fit with Russell, but I think he has that kind of talent. Maybe even a guy uh, like Josh Jackson who could really make a lot of these pieces fit. You know, I think they still have a lot of upside left in that core. And at some point, and it hasn't at all, and the new CBA makes it difficult, but at some point, they are going to have to use that cap space to attract something a little bit better than Timofey Mozgov. So you hope that that ends up working out as well. I'm not sure I have a clear path. I think it's probably going to involve a trade at some point, uh, consolidating some of these good young prospects for a great one. But I think they have
3: a lot of depth in their
2: organization right now. How do you do, Serena?
3: <laughs> well— First of all, you forgot about Evita Zubats. Come on now. You uh, mentioned D'Angelo and Ingram and Julius, but you forgot about that little gem. I
0: understand how that 5.6 points a game could really sway you.
3: (laughs) Hey, he... uh, he's had a double double in all in all three games. He's had played over 25 minutes. So you take that over there, Derek, okay? And uh, I will also say this that Larry, I thought this was a game where you were really supposed to persuade me for why that franchise or whichever franchise you have is is going to become that title contender first. And Derek, you're, you're you're not even selling me over here and I I'm like this reporter. I, st- I still <laughs> like Luke Walton. Does that work? You could have done better, man. You could have done better. But, you know, leave it to me to come in with the closings.
0: Look, it's not my fault you guys traded away first-round picks for Steve Nash. I can't do anything about that.
3: You mean Steve Nash, who uh, hurt his back picking up a suitcase?
2: That one, yeah. The closer, you want the the bullpen music now? We're going to queue up the bullpen. All right, you can come out of the bullpen. You want to close things out. You go. I would
3: like to close things out here. You get
2: the most dreadful assignment of them all. I hope I don't alienate. I hope hope you don't lose every single Twitter follower that you get when we wake up Monday morning.
3: All right, keep in mind, Lakers fans, anybody listening to this right now, I was given the assignment of talking about why the Boston Celtics will become – a title contender first above the Lakers and above the Sixers. So remember that when I'm talking about this right now, okay? This is just a game. All right, so I hear you out. I hear you out, Derek, but let me tell you this. The difference between the Lakers and Boston right now is that the Boston Celtics, with this young team, they actually are going to get a taste of some playoff basketball this year. You know, second right now in the Eastern Conference. And unlike the Lakers, who are not only sinking to the very bottom of this Western Conference, but they actually need to keep sinking to keep their top three pick to have a better chance of that. Or as we all know, that. Boston is in a pretty good situation since they can swap picks with the Brooklyn Nets. And so they're probably going to have the first pick and this year's draft and they own Brooklyn's 2018 first round pick. So, and we're talking about rebuilding in a team that is, is probably one of the first to be a title contender in terms of these three guys. I mean, you have the young strong core that are mostly in the prime of their careers. Isaiah Thomas, we all saw what he did again in the fourth quarter against the Lakers, although I would hate to bring that up. You guys have Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and you've even got some young guys like Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. They're showing some value. And also, like the Lakers, you know, what they all have in common the Lakers, the Sixers, and now the Celtics they've all got head coaches at the helm that, that, you know, can definitely show some potential. I also like that he's going to be coaching the East All-Stars this year because in terms of the Boston Celtics and Brad Stevens, they, the, the Celtics have to kind of create a little bit of allure, create some some more culture. So when he goes down there and coaches the Eastern All-Stars, you know, who knows who he's talking to over there about the Boston Celtics and potential trades later on, little things like that. That's so- tampering.
2: That's Ill- hey, the the hey, Celtics hey, would never do anything no, like of that. of course not. Of course not. World-class organization.
3: Of course they wouldn't, just like, you know, Paul Pierce wouldn't fake an injury and uh, get wheeled away in a wheelchair and come on back. But, of course, they wouldn't do that. But you know, I, I honestly do think that Boston's in a pretty good place. Like I said, they've got the young, strong core that's mostly in their prime, and really with this upcoming draft, as you know, Derek, being one of the best drafts we've seen in a long time, getting that first pick, and and uh, and with the with a young core, I think I think they're in a good place.
2: In all honesty, scrap the game right now. You guys can jump in wherever you want. Pick the team. Who do you think it's going to be? Jedi mode, guys. No fans, no you guys, no wheeze. Well, I'm going
0: to skip the Sixers because I'm from Philadelphia and that would seem homer. I do think Boston, that trade that they made is patently absurd. And to have that Brooklyn pick three years in a row, Mm -hmm. to add on top of the team they already have, I mean, that's a great spot to be in. It might not end up netting a talent like Joel Embiid. You still have to deal with the lottery balls, which are sometimes unforgiving. But to have three chances... With a franchise like Brooklyn, I mean that's just, that's a very easy path to see working out.
2: They've yet to cash in, though. They've, they they've well, I mean this crippled, is the first hey, They've crippled the Nets. You're welcome on that one. They have crippled a division rival. They're screwed for I don't know. We, we the world may end by the time they they they're screwed forever. <laughs> uh, they have crippled a division rival, but they have yet to cash in on that.
0: Well, they have, they have not been able to make a, the trade that I think everybody has expected them to make. But I think those draft picks, I mean, look, this is the first year that you're, you're getting the return on those Nets picks, and I think a lot, I mean, I guess you could probably speak better to it, but I think a lot of people in Boston expected at least one of those picks to be traded, maybe multiple ones, to go out and get a current superstar or a star level player. But I think now that you're in the moment and you're four months from the draft, it might make some sense to keep them. See if you can get an elite talent like Markel Fultz at the beginning of his career and build that way. It's an amazing amount of flexibility for a franchise because of that. Those those couple of shrewd moves that Ange made a few years ago.
3: Yeah, and you know I do think there's. there's honestly, I think there is so much value in, in in getting so much playoff experience. You know, like with the Lakers who right now aren't going to make the playoffs, and you have such a young core who would benefit so much from getting that experience. Um, I think that's big for Boston too. In a way, as much as I hate to say it
2: <laughs> i don 't i 'm going to give you guys more podcasting one on one here. I actually got a segment coming up on that, so this is why I say stay tuned to find out right, <laughs> but I will say this: I know where the Celtics stand this year on the conference and the second of the conference, et cetera, but they are a notch below down Cleveland sure. they are a notch below down I think a few of the teams out in the western conference they're not a championship contender. They're good enough to, to keep me interested and keep doing a podcast every single week. How about that? Uh, but they, I know where they stand in the NBA this year. I don't really know where they stand going forward because it's it's a little easier. It's it's hard. How should I put this? It's pretty easy to go from bad to okay. Mm-hmm. It's a little more challenging to go from okay to good because this is, it evolves for whatever reason. Sometimes winning games in the NBA, and I brought it up earlier is just a lot hard, but to go from good to great requires such a stroke of luck. And right now I'm, I i do not think that when you, you mentioned the trade, Derek, I just don't see anyone that's out there on the trade market. I'm not sure the Celtics are one player away right now with this current group. I really, I, I really do not one player away. Like Kevin Durant, like if he signed here over the summer, okay, fine. That would have, that would have changed things. One player away in terms of, if it's a, a Jimmy Butler or Carmelo Anthony, I'm not sure about that one.
3: What about? Do you guys think uh, Magic Johnson's correct in saying the Lakers are just one superstar away?
2: It would have to be someone like him 35 years ago. <laughs> that play, a pantheon, not—I wouldn't even say a superstar.
3: Yeah, you know, it's—it's it's, it, it's interesting in Lakerland because it's—you look at the talent and you see a lot of flashes, right? you see moments where D'Angelo makes some brilliant passes and he has great court vision. And then you see moments where he's making stupid plays and stupid passes. Then you see Brandon Ingram, who honestly out of the young core, I think that Brandon has the most potential. Um, You know, you see him, I don't know if you guys saw him play against Paul George, but he he had a phenomenal game. And just when his confidence is up, and he does have some issues, you know, knocking down shots right now. But he's young, and obviously he's a rookie. Um, but then you see Jordan Clarkson, who has been coming off the bench this year, and he was in the starting lineup last year, and he's been inconsistent. Julius Randle, who I honestly think has so much potential. This guy is just a beast. Um, but he he's so inconsistent, you know, and, and he, he has no right hand. He needs to develop that. And so it's like you, you see all these flashes of – of what could be something good but the Lakers can't do it without a superstar. Like they're, they're missing something big. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard because you see where things could come together for the Lakers and it's exciting that that they're, you know, having fun and that that they like playing with each other and it's exciting to have Luke Walton here because of the, the aura and the vibe that he brings, but at the same time, it, like, they're missing something big.
2: Dee, yeah. I'll give you the final word, man.
0: Well, and to be honest, that's why I think I kind of struggled with the Lakers is because I, I see I see a lot of progression for guys like Randall and Russell and Ingram. But I think when they top out, I kind of see almost like a Celtics-like, like evolving into a squad kind of like the Celtics. A really good team, a 50-win team. But I think you're right. I think you're missing something about that that's going to transform that into a title contender. And that's why, if I'm looking at it, you know, I like where the Celtics are because I think those draft picks, whether it's through a trade or whether it's just letting them naturally come and, and selecting high-level guys in the draft, I think that can eventually net one. But ultimately, I think the team in the best spot is the team with the best the best player and the team with the player who has a chance to be the generational talent. And for what Embiid has shown. I mean look five years ago he was playing JV basketball, and that was the first year of organized basketball in his life for him to be this good at so many stages of the game right now. it is certainly a it's something for me to be excited about just as an NBA fan and to think of where he could be in five years, I mean for as much as people talk about the perimeter you still you still need a real dominant big man, both offensively as a role man but also defensively to really cover up uh, cover up your weaknesses to defend in space and the way that he has transformed the team it is certainly something to look out for and you just I mean if there isn't a basket if there is a basketball god I hate there's injuries not. derailing young players there's, there's not. not yeah there's but sorry. I hate injuries derailing a young player career whether that's Anthony Davis or whether that's Joel Embiid you just hope for some health. That's uh, you know, for, for fans in the Philadelphia area, that is certainly the biggest fear.
2: He has all the right skills for the big man too. Uh, that's I mean, he could all, he could bring the ball up the court. He can pass it a little bit. He's developing a three point shot, and he's just an absolute menace defensively. But I'm going to cut it there, Derek. Derek Bonder from the Sixers Beat podcast, available on the CLNS Radio Mobile Network. You brought it up. You ring the bell with me. Celtics, is this a bridge team that they have, or is this team one player away? Here's the podcast from me. I'm going to answer that on the other side of the break. Derek, once again, man, thanks for jumping on with me. Serena, Serena Winters from LakersNation.com. Serena also is at all of the practices, all of the games. God bless her. Available on the YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com/slash LakersNation. Serena, will I almost did it? (laughs) 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 We'll be right back after the break. As CLNS Radio continues its massive expansion across the realms of digital media, we are doing so thanks to our continued patronage from you, our loyal listener, as well as Zip Recruiter. The new year is giving CLNS and all businesses a fresh start for business, and a great year starts with making great hires. But posting jobs in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. From our experience, if you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter, you can jumpstart your hiring in 2017. Post your job to 200 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in. ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over a million businesses. And right now, Celtics Beat listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com sportsfan. One more time to try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com sportsfan. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat, the number one podcast on iTunes, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise. Today's broadcast is being sponsored by Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country, and they are the best for a reason. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States, and the best farming and harvesting practices gives you delicious meals that you can cook for and with your family and friends. It all comes out to less than $10 per meal, saving you time and money while building strong family bonds. From cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice to roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad, Blue Apron gives you variety and flexibility to match your your tastes and as a loyal listener to Celtics beat I encourage you to go check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Celtics beat you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait that's blueapron.com slash Celtics beat blue apron a better way to cook
1: But when you know that he is not 5'9", that I have it on excellent authority that he's 5'7". Ooh. And that... Ooh. Uh, and he... Uh, Inside oh, yeah. information. It is. Someone who is 5'6", and says, I have stood next to him countless times, and, and he is about an inch taller than I am. Okay. And that's, that's from a 5'6"-inch person. Okay. And I, I don't doubt that. I mean, anyway, that's just part of the fun of the, and the lore of it all. Um it it uh, he continues to do what he does, but yeah. So anyway, um, yes. I don't think you can overpraise Isaiah Thomas, uh, and he's getting respect around the league. I mean, it's not. And, and the yeah, but with the defense, it's a plus. It's a, it's always been a plus minus with a guy like that or anybody. Uh, is is he helping you more or is he not? And the answer is yes. I remember going back all the way back to Ernie D. Ernie D. was never a defender, but uh, and and there were, but in this little. A short burst of greatness in the NBA before he got hurt. Uh, it was a plus-minus, and he was a plus. And and Isaiah Thomas is a plus. Uh, besides, team defense is what it's all about, and and uh, uh, that that it, it goes far. There, it, these kinds of issues extend you know far past uh, any individual player, and so I'm I'm not worried about that. He is a plus.
2: Here with. And now we can introduce him, but he really doesn't need it. Everybody knows who's speaking, but Bob Ryan, sports columnist and writer for the Boston Globe, author of many books, including Scribe, My Life in Sports, and star of the latest film, which me and Bob were just talking about, which of course ended up turning into a conversation about Isaiah Thomas, which is is not that hard. I think there's a chance, but star of my latest film, Paul Pierce, the best pure score in Boston Celtics history. I think we're going to end up talking about Isaiah Thomas anyways a little later on, Bob, but... Had you here because trade deadline is now not. Uh, I think it's the Thursday after the All-Star game. So uh, they think the rather than talking about whether or not what the Celtics have to do to get this guy, what they have to do about that guy. Now the next two names that are coming up: Adrian Wards, Noreau,ski, uh, just even just tossing around Paul George and, and Jimmy Butler. And there's going to be plenty of talk about that in the next X amount of days or so. But root question. Very open-ended, but let's open it enough to keep the discussion going. Are the Celtics actually a trade away? I mean, there's going to be so many silliness, so much silliness in the media. But are the Celtics a trade away, like that?
1: They are, if we're talking about a couple of specific individuals. Uh, otherwise, uh, no, they're not. They're, they're two trades away, or they're, they're trading and, and 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 that number one or draft pick away. Uh, I mean, it's pretty evident that they're in better. They're uh, They've had stretches this year where they're playing exactly as well as we hoped that they would play, which was going to be well enough to win in the low 50s and to win at least one series, if not more, and, and conceivably be the team that plays Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. That, that was our ceiling for the season, and it's attainable, as they are. That is attainable now. Uh, with this group. Uh, there's no question. Uh, they're, they're, they're clearly, that uh, after Cleveland, and Cleveland has its vulnerabilities, but I know and you know they're going to be fine when the playoffs come. I don't know if you noted, but Carl Korver had a 29-point game yet, and I consider that to be the warning uh, buzzer uh, that things are going to be fine with Cleveland. So, uh, it's a matter of are the Celtics better than Toronto? Are they better than Washington, who are yeah, coming up coming from the, the rear? Hot.
2: And they're up bad and, matchup.
1: Uh, that's a, no, it's a bad matchup because bad of the defense, but that's once again, the backcourt. But once again, if Avery Bradley is healthy and ready to go in April, then uh, it's not such a bad matchup. And then the last time they played the Wizards, it was without Avery Bradley. As Indeed, they've been playing everybody without Avery Bradley for quite a while now and holding their head above water. And they're, they're their best basketball, we would all like to think, is ahead of them. And hopefully that would be the month of April and, and May. Anyway, uh, if we're talking about uh, – it, it's a healthy debate. Uh, Jimmy Butler, is he good enough? Uh, uh, to be that guy um, I think he, Yes uh, Paul George The name surfaces Oh boy I'm very excited About Paul George Although it's really Interesting to think About Larry being The guy that would Provide uh, the, uh, the the player the missing piece That would be interesting uh, Of course I'm still The great You know uh, a Fantasy of all Of course As you know who The guy out in Sacramento uh, That uh, I would Go pick him up At the airport And I've talked to people About the pros and cons Of Of Cousins but uh, I want him, and, and I don't know. Sooner or later, somebody has to get him. They've got to get him out of there.
2: Well, he's going to probably, well, not to get into this, he is supposed to sign a pretty big extension this summer. But just using this as the hypothetical, the, if they make a trade in the next X amount of days, it's going to pretty much clog up their salary flexibility, likely, for the summer. They really won't have any opportunities to sign a big free agent if and if and when they want that opportunity. And they're also uh, coming up along the lines of some of their own players that they very well would have to lose. Kelly O'Lenick restricted free agent this year. They would have a pretty expensive team. If they locked into, like, let's say now, I, I put it at almost zero percent. I, I put it at about a fraction of a decimal of a point of a percent that they could get to Marcus Cousins. But I'm just using this as a as the example. If they were to make a trade like that, they would have to keep a few of their assets because if you lock into DeMarcus Cousins, that's your team. That's pretty much your team. You have to say, okay, that's it. This is the finished product. This is what's going to have to win the championship, a team, a core of Isaiah, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, and Al Horford, and then the bits and pieces around them. And I specifically remember you when they traded for Garnett and Ray Allen. You thought that was a second-round team. What would you think of a team like that? Or let's say just uh, replace the Marcus Cousins with Jimmy Butler. What's the ceiling of that team? Because I don't think that's a championship contender. I think they have to maintain a lot of flexibility. I'm not saying you don't go mm-hmm. trade for Jimmy Butler, but they would have to maintain a good chunk of these assets to be able to not just make another move, but just have other opportunities. Wow, am I rambling on. But you get what that's I'm saying okay. there.
1: Now, here's what I'm <laughs> thinking. Um, that if we could just get inside the head of the people who are actually putting up the money to go to these games, uh, the fans... And, uh, and I admire them because uh, it's a healthy investment, a lot bigger Thanks, than Bob. the one I made when I was a season-tick holder for 22 years. Now, uh, are they realistic? Or what, do, what do they want? What are they thinking? What do they deserve? What are they expecting? What do they feel is a reasonable return for their emotional and financial investment? Uh, can they wait another year? Can they wait, say, ride this out with this team, don't make a big move, strike gold with that draft pick in a year when there's a lot of good players out there? Uh, can they – I see – uh, I'm patient in that regard. I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy in, in, for the Celtics. I'm not greedy for the city of Boston uh, championships. We've been sickeningly, ridiculously blessed with, with championships. It's been and six and days. I can wait Ridic- another I year. Wait. I like watching this team. So I like, I, I'm comfortable uh, riding it out with this team and, and, and not doing anything stupid, maintaining the salary cap flexibility in a, in a uh, free agent summer and, and keeping the pick. Uh, I'm okay with that but um you know but a lot of people aren't and I mean I would love to know how many people are on my side and say okay we don't have to go for the swing for the fences this year uh we'll we'll, we'll the goal this year win a damn playoff series let's win a series and let's just see what happens after that that would be that's all I'm asking personally okay and uh so, so you make a very good point about destroying your potential to do good things in the future if you if you swing for the fences here and, and, and it doesn't materialize. Uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, uh, so that's fine with me. Now, now, uh, if there's some ridiculous way you could catch uh, Sacramento in a, in a in a weak moment and, and not have to divest yourself of, of key assets to get them, which I don't know. I mean, it's no way. But you know, stupid, crazier things have happened in this league, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So that, that's where I am. I'm, I'm, I can wait it out if, uh, uh, and just see what we can maximize with this team, which I honestly believe has not played its best basketball yet.
2: Well, that would actually, if you want to talk about having the opportunity to fleece a team, uh, Kevin Pelton pitched a trade idea a little earlier in the week. That really raised my eyebrow. And that I it would be pretty tempting, as much as I would like to see the Celtics. I, listen, I'm I'm actually in your boat in terms of having an emotional investment in the team, and I have a financial investment. I am a season ticket holder, section 323. But uh, just looking at it logistically, and the and the Celtics' best path towards winning a championship uh, sooner or eventually or whenever, regardless, I mean, it would be pretty hard if that opportunity is there to trade for a top top 12 player in Jimmy Butler. Now, of course, once again. That goes back to, would that lock up everything? Is this would then be the finished product of having a championship core? Or would you be able to make a move for Jimmy Butler for something that where I don't know if you saw Pelton's idea where, that he pitched out. I don't even know what it was, but it, was, it didn't have the Nets pick this year involved. Uh, I can't even remember. So it, 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 it left the Celtics a lot of opportunities. Uh had, say they were able to swing. It was almost equivalent of, say, what the, how the Lakers were able to swing Pau Gasol eight years ago or nine years ago or whatever it
1: was. Mm-hmm. Alright, well I gotta be confess, I don't sit down and think these things that. I've never been any good at that. Even when I was in my show Me, writing I. prime. Oh, neither of us even when I was in my writing prime, I I left all the fanciful uh Futuristic, uh, uh, creative uh, uh, guesswork uh, to, to or, or, or studying to other people who have more interest in that than I. I just don't get involved in that as a rule. But I mean, it, it's but it's worth talking about. And the reason we're having the conversation is that Danny has created a circumstance with the with the picks where he's got the whole uh, league, you know, wondering how it's all going to shake out. And I saw a headline on a story the other day online. I did not read. I, I don't think I killed it. I think I can go back and look at it uh, about you know how the, the draft. The stockpiling is overrated. That that Celtics are no, are not in a, really any great position. I didn't read that story, uh, but I will read it and just to see what that theory is. Um, it, what what I'm, I'm factoring in here is the intrigue of the the current. There's a lot of good freshmen in college basketball this year. I'm it's, invested it's
2: a, in that now too. So I really as good a it's
1: crop a... as I've seen in a while. Although t- so many of them are guards, and that isn't what we're looking for. You know, I wish one of them not uh, necessarily. Well, not, Josh jack Not so many not all Josh Jackson, for example, at Kansas, where I love some of the stuff he does,
2: yeah, I saw um, him last Saturday, you know, when they lost
1: um yeah, I mean you know he 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 gets your uh, your, your blood flowing a little bit uh there's some guy ha you know Caleb Swanigan. uh oh boy, who uh, might, would be my pick for player of the year, and uh I mean now that you know we're talking about a six nine uh, you're talking about a combination of zach randolph and and I'm going to say, oh, for the sake of argument, Kelly O'Linick. The guy can step out and shoot distances, and he is an old-fashioned, low-post butt-kicker uh, as well. Uh, and, and I don't know if you know his story, but he's like the Pablo Sandoval of college basketball. He once weighed 360, and and he's got himself down in, in, in playing shape now.
2: Was so the guy, Pablo he, Sandoval then. Hopefully it's past yeah, tense. Yeah, yeah. So it's past there you tense. go.
1: Anyway, there are people out there that, that uh, this year that are very lip-smackingly, intriguingly good that I can wait uh, on these uh, trades and see if we get one of those guys kind of things. Well, I say we, but I do because I'm, I have, I'm, you know, I'm talking from the standpoint of a Boston fan.
2: That is the question that I have been asking now over the last few weeks. You know, I've dived so hard into this documentary that I did, that I did with you. And that was sort of somewhere so much of my attention was, but I've watched a lot of college basketball, uh, especially since Sam Bassini's game theory podcast and working with Sam. So I've been watching college basketball pretty much every single Saturday and Sunday. Now, um, You talked about the freshman guards, so you say that may not be what the Celtics need. I sort of say to myself, if that... I don't know about that. I really don't, because Isaiah Thomas. As much as I love him now, I sat on Coach Nick's uh, B-ball Breakdown podcast, which released on Friday. I think he's having the best single season offensively in Celtics. Well, certainly since I've been watching the team since 1991, and I know you have been watching the Celtics just a little bit longer than 1991. Um, He's having the best single season offensively. But I've been thinking more and more, with less and less opportunities to make these big giant trades out there. Maybe of course, if you can get a Jimmy Butler. Although, maybe get Jimmy Butler for certainly a little less the entire farm. I have asked myself, Isaiah Thomas, I'd say he's at the peak. And even him at the absolute peak, uh, he still has that big real deficiency on defense. Al Horford, he may very well already be declining as much as I love the guy. So they have all these draft picks this year, next year. They're going to have another good top pick. Then you say to yourself, could this group of Isaiah, Horford, and and even some of these other veterans that are – actually, I would say in the prime – I would say Avery Bradley's in the prime of his career. I would say this is probably as good as Avery Bradley's ever going to be, although he keeps improving every year. Is this group – could it serve as a bridge team? They're very competitive. They're, They're fighting for the Eastern Conference But I don't think if the Celtics got the number one pick in the draft or number two, I I wouldn't hesitate whatsoever to take the point guard. And if that's the case, could this Celtics group actually serve as a bridge team to the next great Celtics team?
1: Well, it could. A lot of things could be. It's, it's 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 worth a you know it's a it's a fun conversational point. Do I know? No, I absolutely do not know. And I I don't know that I thought it out enough. You thought it about it more than I. And I I just kind of automatically knee jerk Figured well the the need here isn't a guard. We all know, you know we we need to improve the rebounding in this team dramatically. We need to get another perf- a scorer, a scorer that on that night in the in in April and May when when they decided they're going to gang up on Isaiah Thomas, that this guy this other guy can go off and get 25 and 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 uh, and, and you know, that's somebody, and those guys could conceivably be out there, I mean monk at Kentucky, oh boy, oh yeah, uh, you know, so yeah oh boy, you're right, and, yes. and he's not a yeah. and he's not well he's he's an all he's a two, he's a two, they got a they got a one, they got a great one too Deion fox, i mean that's a, that's an amazing uh, you know uh, uh, freshman backward, so anyway, um yeah i you know you you answered your own question in a sense, and it could be uh here's the thing Danny Ainge is demonstrated over the 50, it's almost 50, it is fifteen years now so
2: 2003. Uh, fourteen cr- creativity, years
1: creativity uh, fearlessness uh, decisiveness uh, uh, you know and and he can act the way he does because he's got the complete backing of ownership they have a very comfortable uh, 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 hierarchy uh, structure with the celtics they, they 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 go very nicely down top the owner owns the GMGMs the coach coaches uh, the way you like it to be and uh, very similar to the um, uh, patriots, although with the Patriot, the GM and the coach had to be the same person. But a poor man's right.
2: Patriots. Yeah,
1: um, but I like
2: it.
1: Um, yeah, well, you know, all I can say is I hate to be—I'm not going copping out and wishy-washy—but we'll see. Um, There's so the options are plentiful. Uh, now, as the trade deadline approaches, we're going to get excited to see. Whoa, you know, you never know. I mean, things have happened. I remember being at the uh, Salt Lake City Olympics, and and uh, and, and oh uh, was boy, that Rodney Rogers, Tony Dow? Rodney Rogers, and that made it possible for that team to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I and uh, that. we weren't looking for that, and uh, I didn't know it was. going And so Danny could be, you know, this could be some grand thing he's been working on, working on, working on, quietly, uh, just like the way he hired, introduced Brad Stevens to the world. Who saw that coming? Nobody. I'm not even sure Mrs. Stevens knew it was coming. (laughs) I mean, so uh, that's the way Danny has traditionally worked and and, – uh, we're going to see if anything interesting happens on that trading
2: deadline. I guess the closing thought for me on my end is just I guess I could hammer it home but it really is going to go I think to the Jimmy Butler or Paul George. I, I, if the Celtics listen it's going to be so intriguing if they do have the possibility of adding someone like that. Butler is a top 12, 12 player in the league, two-way player he'd be perfect for Brad Stevens but I really think that there's an emphasis on the Celtics actually having to, to keep some, I mean when they're all in on Garnett, yeah all in on Jimmy Butler or Paul George, I would really have to think of about it because I just don't think that they're that player away. Anyways, uh, so you're in my film. I greatly, sincerely appreciate that. I, it's, it's turned out very well and you were, I want to say, you, you were one of the stars, the top four stars <laughs> that have that, that here.
1: Well, uh, I was happy to participate and let's face it, I've, uh, my uh, career, quote unquote, was was. Uh, uh, built around uh, covering the Boston Celtics, and then by extension the NBA, and it led to everything that has ever good happened to me in this business over uh, 40, no, 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 a forty long time, forty-nine years uh, really, and uh, uh, so. Happy to participate. I, I have a very, very, very soft spot in my heart for the Boston Celtics.
2: And we we pretty we named the film after your statement about Paul Pierce in that playoff game against Indiana back in 2003. We were talking about it earlier. We may as well just continue to talk to uh, mm-hmm. close it up on that. And that is really the season that Isaiah is having. I said it. I think it. Off, listen, I'm actually a little. Um, <laughs> It's funny. The, my opinion of Isaiah just goes up, down, all over the place. I say, well, geez, you know, is he someone that you know going forward you want to dedicate, say, twenty-ish percent of your salary cap to? I'd be, I'd be a little skittish about that. But just this, let's live in the now because God forbid we don't even know uh, what will happen in the world. Say two years from now, whenever he's a free agent, we'll talk about that then. Uh, but the <laughs> single season that Isaiah, I think, offensively, it is the best. Is. He is. A, Coach Nick, I was watching his. Um, post-game show after the Blazers game, and he says it's incredible that he's doing this because teams know it's coming, but the thing about Isaiah is that he his offensive game is just so versatile. You said Paul Pierce, best pure scorer in Celtics history, but remember mm-hmm. Paul Pierce was not the best ball handler and towards the end of his career that, back in you know 2008 to 2010 he couldn't get to the basket quite like he could at the very beginning of his career, so teams right. really were able to, to gear for that when they knew that it was coming, but Isaiah Incredible shooter. Incredible free-throw shooter. Can get to the basket so fast. Incredible ball handler. Can can pass. <laughs> Single season-wise. Maybe not over the course of his career. Yeah, is he gonna no, be up it's, there with it's uh, interesting. Uh,
1: just in terms of pure scoring, I mean, I, I, you know, back in the old days in the original Celtic run, uh, they didn't feature individual scoring. They did, seldom had a leader in, in, in and a, scoring a
2: statistics. scorer, a leader in, score in the in the history of the league, the Celtics. That's yeah. The and great then Larry, question.
1: you know, Larry had a 28 point year, you know, and but you uh, know a couple of big, big years, but. Uh, uh and then Pierce came along and those are the guys who we're talking about. Halbachek uh Pierce and uh, Burden Pierce and that order chronologically. Uh now we've got Isaiah. Uh, it it's a, it's interesting. I'm I that an argument, a very nice argument, can be made uh, to say that this is the greatest individual offensive season a Celtic player has ever had, uh, and that's that's fine, um, and, and I'm fine with that. If, and I just have enjoyed watching it. I'm amazing at every aspect of his game. His his instinct that when he sees an opening, boy, he's, he knows how to. His finishing ability is just amazing to me. He is five feet seven, and his his, his finishing ability, the extension when he goes right to left, then but here's a mind going left to right. His right hand is exceptional. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Amazing. And he can make off balance shots with his right hand. This is not easy, folks. Kids, don't try this at home. And uh, you know, then the, the, uh, the ultimate cherry on the Sunday is that he's shooting 94% from the free throw yes. line in this run, since he came off the injured list. I mean, wow! <laughs> what is not to like in that regard? And by the way, uh, he will still. And game's over. And you look at the stat sheet, and oh, he had eight assists. <laughs> you know, it's not like he's completely hogging the basketball. No. Is he a point guard? No. Is he a two? He's a hybrid. He's a classic hybrid, and and uh, but he'll he'll get you six assists when you when you're not paying attention, and, and uh, boy, he's he's remarkable.
2: Yeah, I love how he can play both on and off the ball. You can have Marcus but It isn't like sort of an Iverson thing where Iverson was just better with the ball, and then he just had to live with the fact that Iverson just had to be a high-volume guy. Uh, you know, Thomas is just so much more efficient. And I, I think the pace, passing ability and his decision-making overall is what's able to keep the defense so off-balance, no matter of what the fact that they quote-unquote know what's coming. I'll let, we'll finish on this. I dropped sort of a semi-hot take on Coach Nick's show, uh, and I've got I got a little bit of criticism for it on the Beatball Breakdown show. But I actually said, "Better shooter than Ray Allen." Uh, can you do you get me? Can you get me all
1: that on Bob? Wow, well, um, I don't know. I don't want to. Oh, I don't. I don't even want to put my hand on that stove. Um, uh, Ray just made so many. Oh my God! I don't know. I I, I won't go there. No, I I, I just won't. And uh, uh, but I'm just my I'm just. Images are flashing in my head as we speak, and right down to Ray Allen winning a uh, winning a uh, I was going to say a gold medal, <laughs> winning a championship for Miami. Uh, so
2: uh, uh, I blocked that. I, uh, out. I blocked that out. I tend to I know. Remember, I, well, tend I was rooting for Ray
1: Allen against for the Lakers. Oh, I was 11. rooting like hell for San Antonio, so uh, I didn't. I didn't want that shot to go in. But, but um, anyway, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stop. I'm going to let you have that. You want that? You want that one? You can have proprietor, proprietorship of that one. I'll, but I'll always claim the Pierce line because, damn it, I know I was the first one to say that.
2: Bob Ryan, sports columnist emeritus for the Boston Globe, author of Scribe: My Life in Sports, and star of the recent Paul Pierce documentary. Please watch; it's available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel. Thank you, Mr. Ryan. You're welcome, Larry. Thanks to everyone who listened to episode number 196. Promise to get a mailbag tomorrow. It's been such a long time. All my energy has been exerted into that uh, film. So we will bang it out. Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Like us there. Message me there. See me answer your questions there. Uh, that's tomorrow. We are done here today. Final shout-outs to the listeners. Thank you once again for making this podcast the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. Sponsors today, ZipRecruiter and Blue Apron. Use our coupon code, ZipRecruiter.com slash SportsFan and BlueApron.com slash Sellers to continue to f- further support this show. Music, Chuck Dietz, and lastly, the staff, Eddie Santiago, Justin Poole, and CLNS's founder, Nick Jelso. I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday.